Hello and welcome back to Season 3 of the Intentional Leadership Podcast, the podcast show to help you break through the barriers holding you back from the true life of success you were meant to live. Janelle and I are excited to have you here with us as we teach you monthly leadership lessons you need to know to live your best life. Are you ready? Let's go. My goal is to empower entrepreneurs to be the best they can be and that's why Mark and I wrote the book, Mentor to Millions. Are you building your business alone and not sure where to go next? At the same time, trying to make everything perfect along the way? Do you feel like you don't have any support? Well, you're not alone, and Kevin and Mark are going to tell you why. Today, we're going to talk about the power of a mentor and how it will completely change your personal and professional life. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome to the Intentional Leadership Podcast. I am so excited today to welcome Kevin Harrington and Mark Tim to our show. Uh, these guys have been serial entrepreneurs. They've been had entrepreneurial experience now for decades and, and they have the passion to help other entrepreneurs. And so our listeners today are so excited to have you both here and thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to getting some nuggets of of wisdom from you. And then also talking a little bit about the book that you came did together, Mentor to Millions. So thanks again for being on the show. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Great. Yeah, excited to be here. Always like hanging out with my mentor and um, my friend Kevin Harrington and dropping as much wisdom as we can. Oh, well, we really appreciate it. And our listeners are all entrepreneurs and business leaders and their desires to grow in their intentionality and their impact. And you guys have certainly had tons of intentionality to have the success that you've had. And I'd love to take just a couple of minutes to just have each one of you just briefly introduce yourself. Why entrepreneurship for you and what's that passion that's driven you to help so many entrepreneurs along the way? Yeah, cool. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start and thank you. Um, I'll try to be brief because it goes back 40 years. Almost, <laughs> so, so it won't take that long. But uh, I, I was, a, I was a, a young entrepreneur way back. Now I'm an old entrepreneur. So, But 40 years ago, I was a lot younger and watching television. I just ordered cable TV. I got to the last channel, channel 30, and there was just bars on the screen. It was the, the Discovery Channel. I called to say, I'm not getting it. And they said, oh, it's an 18 hour a day channel, six hours a day, there's nothing. And that's when the light bulb went off as an entrepreneur. But by the way, prior to this, I was a business broker selling small businesses for entrepreneurs. And we were selling thousands of businesses, pizza parlors, delicatessens, flower shops, laundromats. So I had the books and records of all these different companies as an entrepreneur selling these businesses. And, and now I'm, I'm watching cable, nothing's there. And the cable company, I said, let me start putting stuff on there. So I started featuring the businesses that I was selling and, and actually using that for lead generation. Hey, interested in buying a business, own your own business, the American dream, come on down, check it out. And so we started selling businesses on TV in the early eighties. And if I, I could sell a $100,000 pizza parlor, why not a $20 knife set? And so then we moved into products and from Tony Little and Jack LaLanne and the Juicer, Tony Little Fitness, George Foreman, Billy Mays, uh, the, the, you know, the, the rest is kind of the next 30 years I spent building businesses, selling products around the globe, uh, $5 billion plus business. We went public on the New York Stock Exchange. 
uh, and um, had a lot of fun. But the last part of my story there, I got a phone call from Mark Burnett, who said, hey, I'm watching all these crazy things you're doing with all these products. You got to come on Shark Tank. So I, I, I went on Shark Tank for a couple of seasons, did a hundred and I think, I don't know if it's 155 segments or 75 or something like that, but it was, it was a lot of fun being on Shark Tank. And, and now my goal is to empower entrepreneurs to be the best they can be. And that's why Mark and I wrote the book, Mentor to Millions. Mm, wonderful. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, so on my side, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I only go back 30 years. So that means I got to go <laughs> Okay. And so, but uh, serial entrepreneur, I've had more than a dozen businesses. I think the thing that I enjoy most about being an entrepreneur is actually building something that achieves a certain amount of value that someone's willing to open a checkbook and write a check for it. It's the most exhilarating thing for me as an entrepreneur is actually exiting a business, knowing that I built something that someone else wants. And so I've had seven exits. And then I got to the point where I started getting mentorship from someone like Kevin Harrington and seeing that I can be an advisor an investor and board member and help a lot of other businesses without starting my own businesses from scratch. And so now I'm involved in dozens more of businesses, some of which Kevin and I are partners on. But as I reflect over my entrepreneurial business, my career, the one thing that really set out and it's how Kevin and I met and it's probably why we're even on your show here today is because we had a mutual mentor and his name was Zig Ziglar. And so Zig mentored Kevin when he was a young man, Zig mentored me when I was 19. And so when you have somebody that's that powerful become a mentor of yours, you never want to go through life without a mentor again. And we like to say, if you have a product, a purpose, or a passion the world needs, then the quickest way to do that is through mentorship. And so we really have embarked on a journey together. And by the way, to tie a bow on that, uh, we met each other through Tom Ziegler, the son of Zig Ziegler. So our mutual mentor who passed away years ago, his living son introduced Kevin and I. That's how mentorship can be exponential. And that's how mentorship can live legacies through generations. And so we wrote the book, Mentor to Millions. That's how we ended up kind of our crescendo moment together is, is teaching and sharing with entrepreneurs around the world about mentorship. Mm, that's wonderful. And what, what a fabulous mentor in Zig Ziglar. We're obviously uh, care deeply about that as well. Graham is. Yep. That's uh, how Mark and I met yeah. back in the day and Kevin and we met uh, when you were there as well. So yeah, Alice a couple of years ago, yep. there's a year in between. That's kind of a little blurry, but maybe it was three years ago. <laughs> oh, that's, so. that's great. Well, let's dive in to some concepts from your book. And thank you so much for sending me a copy of that. I've had a chance to read it and our, and our members have as well. And for the listeners out there who haven't had a chance to read it, we'll look forward to having everybody pick up a copy of Mentor to Millions. I got a lot of great takeaways being an entrepreneur myself for over 25 years and the ups and downs of that and developed my own passion to want to help other entrepreneurs really break through the barriers holding them back from the true life of significance that each one of us is meant to live, right? And when I was reading the book, I loved the take action chapter and wanted to dive right into that. Um, you talk about feeding the right fire and the analogy of you've got to start a lot of fires to see the one that's burning the brightest. And then once you do pour gasoline on it, and that's just a great 
word picture. Love to hear more about that because I know in the business world, often we hear, you know, you've got too many things going on. You need to really hone in and focus on just one thing. So tell us your perspective, whoever wants to, to go on this. I'll, I'll start because uh, I, I go, when I go all the way back, you know, I was saying that I was in this business brokerage business and then I started putting products on television. So in, in the beginning days, um, I, I would only focus on like one product per quarter for a year. I figured, you know, we've got to invest money. We, you know, invest into uh, the tooling sometimes, the manufacturing, the inventory, the production of the infomercial or the spot, the TV commercial, the phones that so we'd have to set up a phone center, which required a deposit fulfillment center, all the money, one product launch could cost a couple hundred thousand dollars. So, um, so one philosophy is, okay, if I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so I was raising capital, but I was doing about four product launches a year. Well, as it turned out um, that it, we were, I learned eventually that I was only successful on about one out of four of what I was doing. And so with only four attempts, I have, I'm only at best, I'm going to get four winners, but maybe zero. And if I'm hitting the averages, one winner for the entire year. So all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, we got to change this model. I, you know, not everything's going to work. We need to test before we invest. And instead of spending 200,000, let's figure out a model that we can test for 10,000. Now we can test 20 products for 200,000 and we're going to have four winners, five winners, maybe more out of that. So that was the shift for me. And for years, I was launching between 50 to 100 products a year. And people say, well, that, that sounds crazy, but we were hitting on 10 or 12, 15 of them. That's how we built a $500 million company and, 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 and went public in, in, in the process. So, um, and, and part of it, I had this group of, of people inside my company that they were procrastinators and they're because they know, oh, we, we've got to do all this and this and this for these projects. And they didn't really understand this acceleration model that we were, were going after. But once they saw the fruits of it, and 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 by the way, we, we, we didn't have to do all the tooling and manufacturing and inventory for everything, because if it doesn't work, you're not going to roll it out. You don't need all of that. So there was a lot of learning that we went through in the process, but I can just say that we once we supercharged our testing process, we were able to test before we invest, test way more and have way more successes. I just want to add one little thing to that. And that is, uh, you know, by the way, Kevin has another book out. One of his first books was take was act now. Not yesterday, not two days ago, act now. And so, you know, but there's there's a quote in one of our friends. I don't know who the originator of this quote is, but one of our friends, uh, Ryan Levesque, and loves to say this quote. Uh, and the quote is, you don't have to get it perfect, but you do have to get it going. Mm-hmm. And that is really the uh, kind of the, the, the hallmark of take action. So many people try to get it perfect. So many people want to get it perfect. And really what they need to do is take action. They just have to get it going because the real perfection happens in the process. And so you've got to get it going so that then you can tweak and pivot and adjust. And that's what Kevin is probably one of the best in the world to doing is just 
take action, act now, get it going, and then we'll pivot along the way. We'll iterate until we find that perfection. That's how he built his infomercial business. That's how he continues to impact businesses today. And so that really, to me, speaks to the t- take action. Mm. Right. And you have analysis paralysis, like you'd mentioned, you have people on your team that are afraid to take action. So you really need to push them, encourage them, give them the confidence. Was there a point where they felt comfortable at 70%, 90%, you know, wh- where was it that you were able to say, okay, they're comfortable going, taking action at a percentage or how did, how did that work out for, for you? Uh so you're saying to me, in other words, when I started pushing more Correct. projects, right? Correct. Um, well, I mean, the, the first the, the first thing that I got was kickback because sure. it's like, hey, Kevin, each one of these has to be done a certain way. You know, the, what, what we were doing was designing all of the like retail packaging, for example. So, I mean, they're like, we believe this is gonna be a winner. We're gonna test it, it's gonna work. We're gonna roll it out. We're gonna need, we're gonna need inventory. We're gonna need retail packaging. So somebody was ordering 10,000 pieces of inventory. Somebody was ordering retail packaging. Somebody was doing this. And then we test it and it bombed. We're never gonna run it again. I mean, and it's like, it's dead. Well, why do we have all these other expenses for a product that's not going to go to retail? So once, and, and so I'm, I'm going all the way back to the very beginning before we, we learned, you know, I mean, we, most of the time, everybody that was on every project thought every product is going to work because why are we investing money in something that we don't believe in, right? We invest money in projects we feel are going to be successful. But the cold reality was only one out of three or one out of four. You may get a lucky streak. I, we, we'd hit three out of three in a row. And, and, but then we'd go eight in a row that didn't work. You know, so <laughs> at the end of the day, though, once everyone understood that, hey, you don't have to do all that extra stuff. We're, we're, we're a testing company. That's what we do. We test before we invest. And now let's, let's test 20 products to get four or five that now we can take those four or five and do retail packaging and all the things that we need for final distribution. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. So many great nuggets here already for our listeners. So test before you invest. That's just great. And also you don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, the whole over planning thing you talk, you spend more time in mentor to millions about don't over plan, don't over plan. And Graham was talking about our team getting in this situation. <laughs> and it's certainly important to have team members that slow you down a little bit. You've got to have those analyzers. But I know for myself as an entrepreneur, and I know our listeners out there today, I have found myself guilty of this, that I I feel like I need more information. For a lot of, especially the newer entrepreneurs that are listening, they're just starting out. They don't have a lot of resources. What's that fine line again? Any, Any more you'd have to say about that? Share more. I'm going to just go straight to mentorship. Okay, because I got to tell you, there's no perfect formula. There's no perfect algorithm for any of this stuff. But what there is perfect is don't do this alone. Like we're not supposed to do this alone. 
And so any starting out entrepreneur that's like, am I far enough? Have I hit the 70% Kevin talks about? Am I overanalyzing? Like there's no perfect formula, but what there is a perfect formula for is every entrepreneur needs a mentor. Don't do this alone. You're not on a desert island. Like we like to help each other. We've been up the mountain before. We know where the quickest path is. And so don't be afraid to raise your hand. People ask us all the time, how do you get a mentor? Well, it starts by raising your hand and saying, I'm ready to be coached. When, when the student's ready, the mentor will appear. When the mentee is ready, the mentor will appear. When the student's ready, the coach will appear. So my whole thing in answering your question, and I'm not trying to sidestep it. I'm just trying to give you the reality of the real answer. The real answer to that is pick someone that you know, you like, and you trust and say, I'm new at this. You've been here before. You've been up that mountain before. Will you help me so I can come to you and ask you some questions? Because I don't know when enough's enough. I don't know when I need to do a little more, but you do because you've been there. One of my oldest child, I've got six kids. Can you believe that? Six kids. <laughs> so I, I got to witness a conversation. One of my kids, my younger kids looked at my oldest child who's flipping homes now. He's like taking houses and buying them and fixing them up and flipping them. And one of my kids looked at him and said, Marcus, how'd you get to be so smart? And I was like, oh, this was great. And so, but the fact is, is that the only way Marcus got smart in flipping houses was making a bunch of mistakes. Like he had to fail a bunch and screw up a bunch. That's why he's so smart. And so people who mentor you likely have failed more than you. And that's why they're a great person to ask. Well, you've led right into a, a perfect question again is, you tell us in the book, failure is something to embrace. And you just led into that when you're taking action, when you're just going forward, even though it's not perfect, you're going to fail. And Kevin, can you share an example where you have failed at something and it's helped, really helped you take yourself to that next level and learn yeah. from bigger, better things? I have kind of a funny story that I like to tell about failure because we, in, in as I mentioned, um, we got started in the early days. We started getting involved with you know, some celebrity types, you know, George Foreman, Jack LaLanne and the Juicer. Tony Little really wasn't very well known, but, but we, we, we were doing Chris uh, uh, Jenner and 50 Cent's headphones and things like this. So celebrities generally had a little pop. They, you know, they had followers. And, and so one day um, I get a phone call. I lived in Philadelphia for many years and Chubby Checker, lived in Philadelphia also. And he called me and said, Kevin, I, you're doing all these amazing as seen on TV products. I've got something for you that you're gonna love. And so um, he came out to my office, we hung out and he had created a fitness product that he called the Twisted Size. And, you know, so, cause Chubby Checker, his claim to fame is the twist, the song, right? Come on, right. baby, let's do the <laughs> twist, right? So, I can't sing, but I, you I, had I, the moves down though. Those yeah. moves are good. <laughs> so th th these were like three phonographs that twisted, and you had an arm movement and all this crazy stuff. But I, I just got to tell you, we, we, I got so wrapped up in this in, in terms of Chubby Checker, this famous guy, and the song and, and this product that you're having fun. Because his concept was people. A lot of people don't really want to work out, but if you could make workout fun, they would. And so it was, you were having fun while you were dancing, where you were working out the music and things like this. But when we ran this, it was a $500 piece of equipment. 
not a $39 piece of equipment, okay? And so we were way off base. We invested over a half a million dollars into this project and it was a total, total bomb. And, and so, I, you know, when people say, you know, Kevin, what were you thinking investing all that money in a fitness product with a man named Chubby? Okay. <laughs> okay. I got you. Yeah. We, it, it was not a good thing, but it, it was really after this that we started making um, the, the test before we invest model that I talked about and, and not just, Oh, we've got a celebrity. I mean, we had been burned by Joan Collins on another project. And, and I, I could tell you about more and more, but part of the challenge is just because there's a celebrity doesn't mean it's going to be successful. So I learned tons of, of, of things along the way there, but that was one we had put, we put about eight months of our life into it and literally 500,000 in hard cash. And so, um, we, we, you know, coming away from that, I would never, ever do something like that again and never have since then okay <laughs> yeah it's uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell a story on kevin right now and that is uh, we were at an event and there were hundreds of people there and they're asking him questions and they asked him that same question and then it you know kevin looked out across the room and said you know i bet that i've failed more than anybody in this room and then we started looking out there and they were all young entrepreneurs and it came to the realization he's like you know what i bet i've failed more than all of you together and so here yeah, he was yeah, as the yeah. keynote speaker, the, the $100 million man, the $5 billion in sales, Shark Tank, all these accolades, and people didn't realize that the reason he was the guy standing on stage instead of the guy in the audience was because he wasn't afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have a chapter in the book called Failure to Phoenix, because I believe Kevin Harrington is Kevin Harrington, and all successful entrepreneurs become successful entrepreneurs because the phoenix is the mythical bird that only gets stronger if the previous version of itself dies. Well, in the entrepreneurial world, that means failure. So as long as you get up stronger than you were when you failed, then you're a phoenix as an entrepreneur. And that's how you become a Kevin Harrington. That's how you become a Zig Ziglar. That's how you become the successful entrepreneurs today is don't be afraid to fail and make sure you get up stronger every time. Oh, that's fabulous. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Don't be afraid to fail. It's easier said than done, but that's how we improve. And that's how we get better as leaders and business owners. So very, there's a very quote good. that I'll give you that I, I love. Winston Churchill said that success is being, is being able to go from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I, in the old days, I didn't get enthused to lose, but you know, now it's just, it's, I understand Failing, losing is part of the process and it makes you stronger and better and gives you direction to get on to the next one. Yes, for sure. Good, good stuff. Another thing that you talk about in the book, one of my favorite lessons that you talk about is to multiply, not add. Tell us more about that. Mark's good at this one, so I'm going to yeah. let him handle it. So, <laughs> well, I, I, here's where here's where I learned this, okay? It's called exponential thinking. And, you know, and I, I started traveling with Kevin, and I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, how's this guy go to $100 million in business? He's done it 21 times, probably 22 now, maybe even 23. But at the time I'm traveling, we were at 21. And so I'm like, I'm going to study this. 
And what I figured out is that most people think linearly. So they think about if I add more here, if I add more there, I can grow. If I add another employee here, if I add another sales here, and I'm seeing Kevin navigate through this entrepreneurial world. And what I found out is, is that he was only interested in multiplication. In fact, I have accused him on more than once that <laughs> he doesn't even have a plus sign on his calculator. Like first thing he does is pop that button out because that, that doesn't fly. It's got to multiply. And for Kevin to do business, there has to be a, a multiplication sign. Now, multiplication can happen between two people. You get the right mentor. It's not one plus one. It's one times one equals 10 equals 100 equals 1,000. So when we talk about multiplication, we're talking about two people or two businesses in their genius zone, in their unique abilities, and they find each other. And instead of adding, they multiply their impact on the world. They multiply their impact in business. That's the only deals Kevin gets involved in. That's now the only deals that Mark gets involved in. It must be exponential. So when you do that, how do you, how do you figure out which one's the bad idea that's you know, adding or subtracting versus multiplying when you're looking at them quickly, I guess, to analyze them? Well, you Kevin, know, go for it, man. You're the guy that's yeah. taken 50,000 pitches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's, there is a, in, in my case, there's a certain gut. I mean, yeah. and, and like, like Mark mentioned, 50,000 pitches. Yes. But I've also, um, I've launched more than a thousand products where I've invested my own money in over a thousand different investments. So you, you tend to have a, a good feel as things are starting out. I mean, just for example, a product we tested recently, and we, we did two product tests in, in this one week. And one product, we went out, we spent a, about $5,000 in media on Facebook and, and Instagram, and it generated about $5,000 in sales. We spent, we had another product that tested, and, it, and on $5,000, give or take the budget, it generated $25,000 in sales. So question is, where do you want to focus now? You know, not that we gave up on the first one because we went back and tweaked it and tried to get, you know, the results increased and we didn't give up, but it ultimately became a product that did not roll out. Whereas the other product, because we're seeing this huge response and way more than we even expected, by the way. I mean, we would have been happy with it two times response. In other words, we spent five, we did 10 because oftentimes the first test isn't the most successful. So we got to learn from it to tweak it and get it even better. But when it starts out with that kind of response, you've got something now that has multiplication potential out in the marketplace because we're going to be able to multiply it across the shopping channels, across radio, TV, Facebook, Instagram, international distribution, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we look for certain things on the front end to, in order then to, to, to get focused and add our multiplication strategies. One of the things that you guys talked about in the book is team and how it's so important to have the right team around you. And I know everybody talks about this, but obviously it's critical to your success to have the people that are willing to take action, the people that are willing to tell you when something's not working. And how, how do you pick that team and what are some of the mistakes maybe you've made there along the way that you've learned and you could give us advice to the entrepreneurs out there listening? Teamwork is 
what it's all about now. I mean, I, I learned the hard way in the early days as an entrepreneur. I was a solo entrepreneur, did everything on my own, knocked on doors, did got the sales, fulfilled it, everything. And then when I started in the SCDPD business, I still tried to stay, you know, on top of everything. But I realized I'm 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 not an expert in everything. I, I was terrible at finance operations. So once I understood <laughs> that I needed to build that dream team around me, yeah. that's when we took off. I, I was going like this, but the profits were tough because I was making so many mistakes. Once we got the right people in place, it all took off from there. And so that's why building a dream team is very important. And on that note, I want to thank you guys for having me today. It's been great to, to network with you. And Mark, I know you're going to finish, but um, th thanks so much and, and good catching up with you guys again. Yes, thank you. Always, so always awesome hanging out with you, partner. Thank thanks, you. Kevin. See you. Okay, Take bye. care. Bye-bye. You know, one of the biggest things that I learned from Kevin in this whole process is actually the concept of most people hire who they can afford. And that may sound like cliche, like, duh, of course we hire who you can afford. That's right. not a dream team. That's not what Kevin Harrington did. That's not how you get to $100 million. You hire who's going to take you where you need to go. And so we talk a lot about that in the book. It's like, if you hire who you can afford, it's like hiring in your rearview mirror because you can only afford now where you've been, not where you need to go. And so he really gives a lot of strategies and talks about how you creatively can inspire and motivate someone to join your team, even if they cost more than you can afford. Maybe sometimes you have to give up a little equity. Maybe you have to give up some revenue share, but it's better to go and hire the dream team that will take you where this business can go instead of hiring the team that can only keep you where it's been. And so that's an important distinction. As you look at building a team and building a dream team, make sure it's the team that's going to take you where the business needs to go. Yes, that's great. So a, a thought on that is you know, sometimes you're told by business gurus, you know, hire, hire somebody who's going to fit the business now. And the person who's helping you at a, a one million, up to $1 million company is not going to be the same person that's going to take you to $10 million, $100 million beyond are you saying that we should be looking at where it is that we want to take the company and hiring those people at the get-go when we're starting out of the no. gate? No, you, you out of the gate, you've got to get it going. Remember, you don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. And oftentimes you got to get it going yourself. You know, you got to bootstrap it. You've got to get up early and, and stay late. Maybe you got to keep a full-time job while you're side hustling over here. Maybe you have to, you know, negotiate with your employer on a part-time basis. I, I've helped many entrepreneurs launch from working for me and they come to me and say, I want to start my own business. I'm like, great. I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You do everything I ask you to do for the next year and I'll carve out space for you to start your own business. And then when it's time for you to go, I'll support you and help you. Like I love launching entrepreneurs under my umbrella and I know that they've got to do it, you know, in a pathway that they can afford to do. So I'm not saying from day one, because you probably don't have the capital, you don't have the resources, the sales, but when you hit the point of scale, which is usually when you start putting a team around you. Okay. And by the way, before you get to that point, you can hire a consultant, you can hire the dream team can be somebody, Kevin, I think says in the book, I would rather have a CFO that is a hundred million dollar CFO for 10 hours a week than a million dollar CFO for a hundred hours a week.
Mm. And, and think about that for a second. Uh, a million dollar CFO is only going to take you to a million, but a hundred million dollar CFO knows how to get you to a hundred million. And so he only needs 10 hours of that guy's time, but a hundred hours of time of a guy who can only get you to a million is never going to get you to a hundred million. And so you don't necessarily need full-time people either. You just need a brain trust. that's going to take you where you need to go. Get creative. There's a million ways to put a dream team together. And the way that I think is the only way to not do it is to get to the point where you say, I can afford this person for this much because you're now hiring a team that's going to keep you where you're at. I just want to see if there's one thing that you'd like to share with us that that we forgot or anything that's burning as you sure. thought about talking with our listeners today. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of I mentioned it earlier that I had six kids. And so many people become entrepreneurs because they want to be a, the husband or the, the mother or the father or the wife that they were put on this earth to be. And then their business just swallows up their time. And then they have these competing universes. One of the things we did and one of the reasons why this book became a, a bestseller is because we try to end every chapter connecting the business message to family. And I guess what I would say is if you're out there listening and you've got a family, what if the most valuable business that you will ever own, ever operate, ever even be a part of was the one you were coming home to, not the one you're going to every day? What if your family got your first and your best instead of your last and your least? What if your family really was an integral part of everything that you did in business? And what if you were, what if business was practice so that you could get it perfect at your most valuable business at home? And so I would be remiss not to share that and say that I'm only here today. And, and the whole, the, the book ends actually with this concept of your most valuable business is your family. And so I would be remiss not to say that I truly believe the most valuable business that I'll ever own is my family. And I, I didn't figure that out till later in life, but I figured it out just in time. And my, the beneficiaries of that are my kids and my wife and anyone who takes a couple minutes to listen to this message. And so I want to inspire anybody listening to go home and say, how can I take what I learned today on this podcast with these awesome people and apply it at home, not just in my business? Mm, that's great. I'd say you're the beneficiary of it as well. Yeah. You left yourself off. I am. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So we've talked about a lot today and have some great nuggets to be able to apply to our own businesses. If, if we could just take one thing and that's, that's hard, but what, what would you tell us that we need as listeners out there, the entrepreneurs and business leaders trying to get better every day? What's the one thing that we need to be acting on as we leave this? The one thing, okay, we, we always get asked the whole reason the book got written was because people would, hundreds of people would line up at an event and they would just want to ask Kevin one thing. What's the one thing? What's the one thing I need to do? What's the one thing I can do to be successful? And it always came down to a similar answer. And that is you need mentors. You need people in your life. And in fact, let me complete the equation for you. Okay. So the equation works like this. If you want to be super successful, you first must have the right mentor. Then secondly, you have to do, you have to be the best student of that mentor. You got to do what they tell you to do. So have the right mentor, be the best student. And then the third thing, the final equation is you have to take everything you've learned and teach someone else. And the word picture I can give for you is a brick wall. Okay, the house that I'm in right now is built with bricks. We all know that bricks make great foundations, they make great houses, and so and they're strong. But what we don't think of is that the brick itself 
is not that strong. You see, your mentors give you bricks, but if you turn around and stack a bunch of bricks up, your smallest child can knock them over, all right? They may be heavy and strong, but by themselves, they don't make a very good wall or foundation. The thing that makes them strong is the concrete mortar that's in between them. And so look at the bricks as the wisdom you get from mentors, all right? And your job as a mentee is to collect those bricks, get as many of them as you can, but how you solidify it, how you turn it into a wall, a foundation, is you have to take it and teach someone else. When you teach someone else, that's what locks it in. That's what turns it into a foundation that you can build a house on, you can build a family on, you can build a business on. So be a brick collector, but then be someone willing to teach others what you've learned from your mentors. And that is the equation of exponential success through mentorship. Fabulous. Great, great stuff. Well, well, Mark, thank you so much for this time. How do our listeners get more information? How can they connect with you and Kevin and get a copy of this great book, The Mentor to Millions? How do they get their hands yeah. on that and connect get, with you? It's, uh, the easiest way is to go to getmtm.com. So getmtm.com. If you want to connect with me personally, you can go to marktim with two m's.com. Um, at marktim.com, I do a lot of sharing about family. Uh, every single week, I do a little YouTube clip about character, about hard work, about uh, family type topics. And so that's really the way that I share there. And then kevinharrington.tv, that's his personal website. So the book, getmtm.com or marktim.com for me personally or kevinharrington.tv. Fabulous. Thank you so much for taking this time to be on our show. And we just really appreciate it. And we wish you a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you have any questions, please email me at Janelle at legacy-leader.com. If this podcast has been helpful, please review and share it with others. For more episodes of the Intentional Leadership Podcast, go to janellebrulin.com forward slash podcast. Remember, when you grow as a leader, your team will grow and your company will grow. You can transform your leadership, crush your goals, and love your life.